Our scripture reading is Isaiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. This part of the book of Isaiah is the prophecy that was given through him to the nation of Judah prior to and leading up to their captivity. This chapter obviously manifests some of the sins of which they were guilty and for which God would bring them into captivity as a chastisement for these sins. Isaiah 1, beginning at verse 1. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger, they are gone away backward. Why should ye be stricken any more? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your land Strangers devour it in your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When ye come to appear before me, Who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. 
your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Read God's word to that point. Our text is verse 18. Word of God is, we have a sermon for preparatory. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Our text, beloved, sets before us very obviously the truth of Scripture that is at the very heart of the gospel, justification. The text comes to us with good news, therefore. The text comes to us with the best news for each of us personally, because of the ongoing reality of sin in our lives. Our text is a word of God that we need to hear and know more than anything else. We need to hear and we need to know this truth, that we are white as snow in the eyes of God, that we are justified, that we are forgiven our sins. And what makes this a remarkable text and a remarkable word of God concerning our justification is, first of all, this, that this declaration is a declaration that comes and that is made by God, by God himself. God who is holy, God who is righteous, God who sees and God who knows your sins in detail, who knows your sins much better than anyone else knows your sins and mine, and who knows your sins and mine much better than we ourselves know them and see them. God declares Though your sins be as scarlet, they are as white as snow. But secondly, this is a remarkable and a comforting word of God for us because if you know that this is true, if you know that your sins are gone and you are as white as snow 
in the eyes of God, then you know that all is well for you. All is well. God may send you many troubles in this life, and he does. Those troubles come upon the church, come upon families, come upon individual members of Christ. And some of those troubles may come upon us even in this coming week of our earthly pilgrimage. But if you know that you are as white as snow in the sight of God, then you know that God is not against you. If you know that you are as as white as snow in the eyes of God, then you know God is not punishing you for your sins through the afflictions and troubles that he sends. You know that all is well. And that shows, beloved, that a text and a word of God and a sermon about our justification is very practical and very applicable. So this is the word of God to which we direct our attention in preparation for the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. You will examine yourself this week by the grace of God Through the work of the Spirit in your heart and life as you examine yourself, you will see sin, sin aplenty in your heart, in your life. And you may very well experience what our form for the Lord's Supper says and recognizes is sometimes true for the sin-conscious believer that in the consciousness of our sin and the consciousness of the greatness of our sins before God, the contrite heart of the faithful can be dejected. Dejected to the point where one may think, I cannot come to the supper of the Lord. I cannot partake because I am not without sin. The gospel of God's justification of sinners gives repentant sinners confidence to partake of the Lord's Supper. God does not push away the penitent sinner, but God says, come. Come to the table of the Lord. Come to be assured that though your sins be as scarlet, they are as white as snow in the eyes of God. Consider then this text with me as we look at it under the theme, God declaring us white as snow. We notice first the reality of sin, secondly, God's declaration, and thirdly, the sure basis. 
You notice in the text, God speaks. God says, first of all, in the words of the text, come now, let us reason together. God is, is, you understand, addressing his people. God is addressing the Old Testament church. God is addressing the nation of Judah and the city of Jerusalem at a point in their history when things were going downhill and leading up to their captivity. And God says to them, come to me and let us speak together. Come speak to me. Come near and talk to me. Come near and reason with me. And that word reason is literally that one presents his evaluation of something, his judgment. One presents and even argues his viewpoint on something. And what God is saying here is, as this comes in verse 18 of the text, and we have in view the context here of what God has said in verses 1 through 17, God is saying, now I've presented my reasoning, I've presented to you my judgment of you as a nation, as a people, now come present your viewpoint concerning what I have just said. What has God said? God has said that the nation of Judah was guilty of sin, of a long, long list of sin. It says concerning them in verses 2 through 4 that they were a sinful nation. They were a people that was laden with iniquity. They were a seed of evildoers before God. He says to them that they were rebellious and corrupt children and that they have provoked the Holy One to anger by their rebellion and sin. He says concerning them in verses 2 through 4 that they were a nation and a people that were more foolish than the beasts of the field. At least the beasts of the field recognize and acknowledge their owner, their master. But the people of God at this time have turned away from him, have forgotten him, and do not even acknowledge yeah. And then God in verses 5 through 6 points out the hypocrisy that was present in their lives. They pretended to serve him. They pretended to live in obedience to God. But it was all a fake, a show, simply outward behavior, but not genuine love and obedience to God. Then he says to them that they were hypocrites in worship in verses 11 and following to the point where he says, I don't want your worship anymore. It's hypocrisy. Vain oblations and 
vain sacrifices. It is an abomination in my sight. That was the judgment of God. That was what God had said to the nation of Judah about their sin. And those sins, beloved, are not foreign to us. Those sins strike a chord. We are often guilty of the same. We are often rebellious children. God, a faithful father to us, we are ungrateful. We take his goodness for granted and we we disobey. We are often hypocrites, hypocrites in life and hypocrites in worship. Mere formalism, going through the motions to please others to please men and not God. And we are often more foolish than the beasts of the field. We forget God. We don't acknowledge him. So that the charges that God brought against Israel, against Judah, he could justly bring against you and me and many, many, many other charges of sin besides, as we well know. Just the sins of this past week and the sins of this day and then all the sins of our lifetime, including the sins of youth, God, in his word and in the gospel, therefore, always points out our sin to us, confronts us with our sin, and not simply confronting us with our sins in general, but God, in his word and by the Spirit applying that word to us, confronts us with sin so that we cannot say, well, that's someone else. I know people like that. I'm aware of someone else who is guilty of this sin, but so that we see our own personal sin, our own rebellion, our own hypocrisy, our own forgetting of God, our own foolishness in being more foolish than the beasts of the field. leads us to say in humility and with a contrite heart, I'm no better than anyone else. And God does that because if we don't see our own sin, then we certainly will not see and will certainly not understand and will certainly not appreciate the wonder of God's declaration here in this text. White as snow. So God says to the nation of of Judah, 
And God says to us today, I've set these sins before you. I've charged you with these sins. Come now and let us reason together. That is, come now and you give your evaluation and your judgment concerning what I have just said. What do you think about my charges of sin? The response can only be one of two things. One possibility is to react against the charges of sin that God brings and to say, not true. Or at least to say, not true of me. There were those in the nation of Judah who did that. There were those in the nation of Judah who said, we are the people of God. We and our children are the God-fearing. We are a thankful and we are an obedient people. Just look at all the offerings we bring. And we worship Thee as required. We keep the Sabbaths and we keep the feasts and we make many prayers to Thee. Surely, Lord, Thou knowest and see, seest that what we do is pleasing in Thy sight. And although they might not dare to say it to God Himself, their response, their reasoning to God in response to what he says in verse 18 would be, Lord God, you are exaggerating our sins. We're not as bad as God says. The accusations are too harsh. Too harsh. The other possible response to God's word here, come now and reason with me, is this, that we agree with what God has said. And we simply say, without hesitancy, or without reservation, God is correct. God is not exaggerating about our sin. Yes, we are often rebellious children. God is good and we ungrateful. We are often hypocrites in life and in worship. And we are often more foolish than the beasts of the field. We forget God, our Maker, our Father, our Redeemer, our Savior. Which will we say, beloved? Will we say that God is exaggerating, at least a little? Will you think to yourself that his evaluation concerning you personally is wrong? 
true of others, but not me? Or will we admit God is right? As a believer, you have to agree with God. And as a believer, by the Spirit's work in your soul, you will agree with God. And you will say, Lord, I dare not reason. I dare not present a different evaluation. I dare not present a different judgment of things. I will hold my tongue. I will say nothing, nothing. I will listen in silence to what God says, and I will agree. That's humbling. That's difficult. That's contrary to our nature to say that. But who are we to disagree with God? This must be confessed by us. And by the Spirit, it will be. But understand, beloved, God leads you to make that confession in order then to let you hear and let you appreciate his declaration concerning Christ and your justification in Jesus Christ. It's not God's purpose when he points out our sins to make us despondent. It's not his purpose to discourage the child of God. It's not his purpose to fill you and me with despair by pointing out our sins to us but it is his purpose to comfort us, to comfort us with the gospel of forgiveness in Christ in the way of our repentance and turning from those sins. And so that's what we hear. God's declaration to those who make this confession and those who are led by the Spirit to repent of their sins before him in sorrow, God's declaration to them is astounding in light of the sin and in light of the terribleness of all our sin. Because God declares to the sorrowful, heartbroken, penitent, repentant child of God Though your sins be as scarlet, they are as white as snow in my sight. And when God declares that concerning your sins, then God is declaring that in the gospel concerning yourself. You are as white as snow in my sight, he says. That's what the child of God needs to hear and to know. 
because the burning question in the believer's heart is, how does God see me? How does God view me? And God says, this is how I see you. This is how I view you. White as snow. Our text provides us a beautiful description of our justification. Snow. There is nothing in the world, in the whole world, that is as white as snow. And what the text has in view and what we must picture in our minds is the snow-covered ground from a freshly fallen snow, something that we were able to observe a few weeks ago, something that we anticipate more of to come in the future. And as that snow will fall in the future, if God sends it, something for us to think about here and something for us to talk to our children about here. Snow which covers every leaf and every rock and every branch of the tree and every blade of grass, all of it covered in the pure whiteness of snow. And then imagine the sun shining upon it, making that snow glaringly white, pure white, blinding to look at. And God says to us, that's a picture of how I make you spiritually. You were red. You were the color of blood, crimson. You were those with all of your sins who were in my sight murderers, blood on your hands, filled with hatred against me, and against your neighbor, because that's what sin is all about. Murder, killing. But God says all of that redness, all of those terrible sins that you have committed against me in your whole lifetime are covered so that you are in my sight bright as the freshly fallen snow. And the point that must be emphasized, because that's the point of the text, is that this is how we appear in the sight of God. This is how God sees us. You look at yourself, and you still see the color red. Sin. All kinds of sin. Sins involving involving hatred and sins involving murder, a mountain of them. Others look at you and they still see red as well. But that's not what God sees. God sees you as being white as snow. In fact, in Psalm 51 verse 7, the scripture says we are whiter than snow, whiter than snow in the eyes of God. 
That's the Scripture's way and God's way of telling us that all of our sins have been dealt with by God. All of our sins have been punished by God. All of our sins are gone from the presence of God. All of our sins pardoned by Him. Or to put it in the language of other passages of Scripture, all of our sins cast behind God's back. Or all of our sins thrown into the depths of the sea. Or as far as east is from west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. God looks at us. God with his all-searching eye, and he says, I do not behold iniquity in Jacob, and I do not see perverseness in Israel. I say again, that's an astounding thing. And to us, it may even seem impossible that God would say that. Inclined to say, well, God would never say that about me. Perhaps he might say that about others, but not about me, but God does. And God declares that to us today. And God says to his people today through this word, you know your sins of youth? When you got drunk, when you lied, when you stole, white as snow in my eyes. You know the time when you were afflicted? You had burdens in your life and troubles and you questioned my love for you and perhaps you even became angry with me? White as snow. You know the time that you spoke evil words? You cursed, you swore, you gossiped, you slandered others in the body of Christ? White as not. You know the time that you lived in worldliness? Away from the church, pursuing the pleasures of this life at will? White as not. No matter how bad the sin, for the believing and penitent child of God, God's declaration is, it's been forgiven. You are as white as snow in my eyes. Astounding indeed. But how can God say that? How can God make such a declaration concerning us? Well, the basis for that declaration is as you well know, and can only be, as you well know, the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, as that will be pictured for us in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper next Sunday. And that's indicated even in our text by the name of God, Seth the Lord, or Seth literally Jehovah. Jehovah speaks. And that name Lord, that name Jehovah, 
is the name that was given to Christ. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And the name Jesus is Jehovah Savior. That's the name that points to Christ. That's the name that points to the cross where he hung and died and suffered for our sins. There at the cross, our sins were dealt with. They were placed upon Christ, the Son of God, and he was punished for them. And by him being punished for those sins, those sins were erased from the sight of God. At the cross, when the Lord Jesus Christ was sent into the fires of hell instead of us, in our place, there and then, we became white as snow in the eyes of Jehovah God. For Christ earned righteousness for us. A white robe of righteousness, the whiteness of snow, and God imputes the righteousness of Christ to us, transfers it to us. Now that righteousness is in our account before God. God sees us not as we are in ourselves. Then he sees red, murder, and hatred. No, he sees us as we are in Jesus Christ, white and pure. And what was accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ through his death and through his suffering on the cross, through his bearing our guilt and shame, through his suffering our hell for us, what was accomplished by him is meant for the people of God to know and to experience and to enjoy and to be sure of. And so God gives to you and to me the gift of faith. Faith that is a bond that unites us to Christ by which we receive the righteousness of Christ and are justified by faith in him. And by means of that faith as an activity, that righteousness of Christ, that whiteness that he has earned for us is for us to experience in our consciousness, to be aware of it, to enjoy it, and to be assured of it personally. The gift of faith by which you believe, the gift of faith by which you embrace Jesus Christ as yours. The gift of faith by which you believe that your sins personally are covered by him. And the gift of faith by which you believe the word of God in our text today. The gospel as declared by God himself you are as white as snow in my sight. And the word of God to us, the call of the gospel to us is, believe, believe, believe.
Believe what God says. And by faith, you know and you are assured it is true for yourself personally. And so the Word of God gives great encouragement and unspeakable comfort for every child of God, for every burdened soul, for every troubled conscience, and for every heart which is grieved by sin, for all who say, and perhaps we say that quite a bit in life, it seems impossible for my sins to be erased. But God speaks, and God speaks to your soul. God speaks to your soul by his spirit today. And God says, in my eyes, because of Christ, you are white as snow. Your worst sin is also forgiven. Your most terrible crime is washed away in the blood of Christ. The marvelous grace of our God. Beyond, of course, what we could ever expect or hope. And that, beloved, gives you and me boldness to approach God in prayer, confessing our sins and seeking forgiveness from Him. And that declaration of God also relieves you and me from fear when troubles come into our lives, from the fear that God is now punishing us for sin, a fear really which says Christ was not punished enough. Yes, He was. He was punished fully for the sins of the people of God. And a declaration also that gives you confidence to partake of the Lord's Supper. With a view to the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, there is another word of God in Scripture that says, Come. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Not a command to come and reason with God, but a command to come in faith and find rest for your soul. Come to the Lord's Supper then in faith. And come to be assured of the grace of God toward you and to experience rest again in your soul. May God grant us that rich blessing. Amen. Our God and Father, we thank thee for thy word. We thank thee for Christ in whom is everything for us, our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption, our wisdom, our hope, our joy, our peace. We're thankful for faith that 
clings to him, that trusts in him, and that finds in him the righteousness that we need, the perfect covering for all sin, so that we are spotless, we are clean, and we are white in thy sight. <coughs> Thanks be to thee, O God, for thy grace in him. In Jesus' name, amen.